And welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and I am joined by the great Scott McLaughlin. Scott, what is up? Not much. Thanks for having me, Evan, and thanks for calling me great. This is, this is a first for everything. It, oh yeah, now you've been called that before. I probably called you that before. Um, it's a good way. To, it's a good. You know, we're recording this in the morning, so it's a good way to start the day. Getting called great, and you know, getting a nice compliment. So I like to. It's how I butter you up before I ask hard-hitting questions that catch you off guard. Yeah, so. before you drag drag more hot takes out of me like last time I was on. Exactly, exactly. I gotta, I gotta get you, you know, soft and ready to go, and then you know, I just, I hit you, and you, you don't even expect it. Um, but anyway, uh, Wednesday night, Bruins lose to the Devils two one in overtime. They get the point out of it. Um, you're missing Zaka. You're missing McAvoy. You're missing Forbert. What were sort of your initial takeaways? Uh, thoughts from that game last uh, on Wednesday night? Yeah, I think certainly if you had told the Bruins going in that they were going to hold the Devils to one goal in regulation with McAvoy and Zaka out, you take that every day because that Devils offense is pretty potent, even though, you know, as a team, the Devils haven't quite been up to what people expected of them. Uh, they have been scoring. You know, they're fourth in the NHL in offense going in, number one power play. So, you know, defensively, you did the job. Jeremy Swayman was great in net. Um, but offensively, obviously, they only get the one goal. And, you know, I think they created some chances. Vitek Vanacek played well. But they only get the one from Geeky. I thought thought the second line of Brad Marchand, Charlie Coyle, and, uh, and um, Trent Frederick was, was pretty quiet for the Bruins. Um, so you gotta find, find a way to get a little bit more there, but overall, you know, I I guess you call it a a good point or at least a point that you're, that you're content with. Yeah. I wasn't overly, you know, I didn't leave that game super worried or anything like that. I actually thought Patra had a really good game. Um, a nice kind of bounce back performance. He was used in the third period this time and in overtime, there was that great sequence, uh, it was shortly before New Jersey scored, but they didn't score on that play when it was Coyle, Lowry, and Patra on the ice. And it was a little bit like a fire drill. Uh, there was a lot going on, but uh, Lo- I thought Lowry was going to score on that uh, cut to the net. I thought that was going in. It would have been hell of a statement for him. But um, I agree. Uh, the Marchand-Coyle-Frederick line left a little to be desired. Um, where- what I did like, though... Was, you know, again, Morgan Geeky moving into, you know, getting some top six reps, getting top six minutes. It's an interesting thing because he obviously scores the goal, but he can be hard to play against, which is something this Bruins team and that Bruins offense kind of needs. You know, I don't think he's a guy that is in the top six for good. I don't think he's a uh, number one or number two center going forward by any means. But I do think that in a replacement level situation uh, and being a reliable producer, uh, you know, reliably hard to play against. I think you do have something in that sense in Morgan Geeky. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it was worth finding out if he can play up in the lineup in a pinch at the very least. And I think he's showing that he can. You know, he was good the, say, second half of the game or second two periods on Saturday after Zaka went down and then had, you know, really, I would say his best game of the season Wednesday against New Jersey. Um, you know, that, that line with him, Pasenak and DeBrusque was, was creating chances all night. One of the, you know, the few kind of lines or, or groups for the Bruins that was, 
and interestingly enough, as Geeky scores his goal on uh, with a different line uh, when he's out there with Van Riemsdyk and Heinen. But it was just another great shift from him where he wins multiple puck battles, wins position at the front of the net to collect a, a rebound off off of Van Riemsdyk's shot and buries it. And that's really what he's – when he's been at his best this season, that's what he's doing is he's winning battles. He's using his size. He's getting inside. He's getting to the net. I think we've seen him around the net front a lot. And, you know, only only the three goals so far, which might be slightly disappointing. It's certainly not any sort of big step up over how much he was producing in Seattle. And I know there had been some hope that, you know, there was more offense to for him to kind of tap into this season. And for a couple of reasons, like it hasn't quite panned out that way. One is, you know, Patra wins the third line center job, so he shifts to wing. He gets hurt. Danton Heinen kind of passes him on the depth chart. Geek comes back and he's fourth line right wing. And it's like, well, that's not any bigger of a role than what he had in Seattle. So, um, you know, probably good for him to move up, get some confidence, put a couple points on the board, and good for the Bruins to know that he can do that. Yeah, and when he was injured, that Frederick Coyle, um, Frederick Coyle Van Riemsdyk line formed and has worked. And has sort of solidified themselves that when, you know, the Bruins are fully healthy, that's going to be their third line. and Or, or like, borderline second line. It's hard to tell some of these times. But, I like, I you, I you hit it on the head with, like, left, you know, there was more there. We thought there was more there. But it just hasn't panned out because others have. And that's a good problem for the Bruins to have, by the way. Like, Heinen, we'll, t- we'll touch on Heinen in a bit. He's been, you know, outstanding. Van Riemsdyk has, you know, found a home. Um, Patra winning, as you said, Patra winning a job out of training camp, sort of moved Geeky to the wing. Um, it's interesting because I think Geeky has value. Like whether that's, you know, do you want to put him down on the fourth line and potentially have production there? You know, sure. But I think as we saw sort of on Wednesday night, he can move up into the top six and produce. Doesn't mean he's going to be there forever. I don't think he's a, uh, I don't think if, if you're going deep in the playoffs, I don't think Morgan Geeky is your second line right wing or your second line center. But I think knowing that you have him, you know, could he potentially be like a Michael Ryder? I don't know. That, that's kind of a big, it's a big ask. He's got to make glove saves, which I don't know. Can Geeky make a glove save? I don't, I don't, I don't he hasn't proven it yet. Um, but I think overall there's value in what Morgan Geeky brings. And uh, it sucks that he got injured because he was playing pretty well prior to that injury and sort of finding his place. And then of course it kind of just crumbles down, but I think he's sort of working his way back to, uh, to getting to that level again. Another one I want to touch on is Danton Heinen. Uh, Danton Heinen has been everything and more um, making like no money. He was kind of like uh, at the beginning of the season, Danton Heinen was like when there would be that like young kid who's on JV or like the freshman team who hangs around the fresh uh, hangs around the varsity team and just kind of hopes for a spot, you know, like kind of just watch like, Oh, maybe I'll get there someday, you know? And then he finally gets there and he, and he, and he, uh, and he, uh, he shows his worth. What have you thought of Heinen so far this year? Yeah, exactly. What you said like even more than, than you could have hoped for, you know, I think when you bring him in and it seems that he's going to earn a roster spot, you you're hoping for him to be something of a Swiss army knife. He can move up and down the lineup. He can play either wing. He's never going to look out of place with anyone. And then any production you get on top of that is just kind of a bonus. 
well, he's got 10 points in 19 games. And that was, you know, after a little bit of a slow start production-wise when he got in, which was understandable because he hadn't, you know, everyone else was playing games and into the floor of the regular season, and he's just hanging around practicing. So I think you had, you had to expect a little bit of a slow start there. And then he's really picked it up, and he's been a very consistent middle six winger for you. And, you know, whether it's been on a line with Patra or with Coyle, like he's he's moved around a little. He was even up with, with Zaka, you know, a little bit at one point. Um, and he's, he's just – he's produced. He's making good plays. Jim Montgomery, you know, I think last week talked about how he great they track battles as an internal stab, you know, 50-50 battles, and Heinen grades out really well um, for them. And and you see that. Like, you see him just winning pucks along the boards and corners, making things happen, and then he's been able to bury a couple chances that he's had. So, uh, you know, for, for league minimum, basically, like, an enormous pleasant surprise and has provided some much needed offensive depth. You know, you, you looked at this team and you wondered, all right, you've got Pasternak, you've got Marshand, who else is stepping up? Well, Danton Heinen has been one of those guys. Like he definitely has. You know, it's funny. Heinen, uh, I, I, I like the 50, 50 battle thing because I imagine when the Bruins video team is sort of like tracking wins and losses, players are coming in like, no, what are you talking? I totally won that battle. Like, I, I come on. I mean, yeah. you know, like, come on. I, I won that. Or, or like, that wasn't a 50-50. I only had a, <laughs> I only had a 30% chance to win that. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, exactly. You know, I was, I came in second. He beat me to the puck. Like, he was ahead of me, you know, skating back for the puck, all that stuff. Heinen, I was, when I was watching the game on Wednesday night, uh, I was reminded that Heinen plays like he, he he's not taking he's taking advantage of this opportunity. He's not taking it for granted. Like he plays like someone who had their dream not ripped away from him, but like you know, didn't have a contract, came in late, all those things. Plays like a guy who is not taking this for granted. And you know, you mentioned like the 50-50 battles and the 30-70 battles and playing hard, but also like he plays so smart, playing above the puck. Uh there was one play last night or Wednesday night, uh, where uh, I think it was Patra. Yeah, it was Patra and JVR and and himself, obviously. And there was a play in the neutral zone, and uh, Patra kind of put it the wrong way, and the Devils were coming the other way, and Heinen forced a turnover and started a scoring chance the other way. And it's little things like that that I think keep him in good graces with the Bruins, and it's good to see a guy like that get rewarded. Uh, but, Scott, when we talk about getting rewarded, no better place does that than our good friends, our sponsors over at FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. Again, FanDuel.com Boston. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. In Mass, 21 plus and present in Mass. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. 
First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start, gamesensema.com, or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Now, back to the show. So it's clear that Heinen has a spot on this team. He's worth it. He brings value. He adds depth. Get 10 points in 19 games. The big one, obviously, everybody compares him with Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, and again, the Moneyball Bruins. That's what they are. Uh, Heinen, Van Riemsdyk, Geeky. Look, these are value signings. You know, instead of just signing one guy in Tyler Bertuzzi. You know, during the during the quick uh, the quick ad read there, uh, I was kind of mapping out the lines. And, you know, it feels like when they're fully healthy, you know, you've got, you know, in your top six, Martian, Zaka, Pasternak, DeBrusque. Potentially Patra, and then it's you know, and then you have obviously have Coyle, Frederick, Van Riemsdyk, you know, but then you have guys like Geeky and Heinen who have cases for it and, and could be in a perfect world. Is one of those two on a line with you know, let's say DeBrusque and Patra, and one is lower in the lineup on the fourth line, or in a perfect world, are they both on the fourth line with Johnny Beecher? Let's say like. Is that going to incentivize them to potentially have to go out and get someone? Or can one of them step in and be part of that top nine full-time? I, I think one of them can be part of the top nine full-time. Um, you know, to me, the the conversation about, like, adding a score kind of comes down to, do you need another real impact guy? Like, to me, it's not, you know, do you need someone a little better than Danton Heinen or more geeky? It's... Do you need another true impact player? Obviously, not on Pasternak's level, but you know, a third guy behind Marshan, say, like, because I think there's still, you know, like Charlie Coyle's off to, you know, a great start on pace for a career year. So is that guaranteed to continue? You know, is Pavel Zaka going to continue to produce a career best rate? Like, those are legitimate questions now. I think you would have hoped that third guy was Jake DeBrusque and it still might be, but it certainly hasn't been yet this year. You know, he's got what, uh, 11 points in 26 games. And yeah. I think Jake, I think DeBrusque is doing a lot of other good things. Like I think he's helping the Bruins win, but he's not producing like, you know, a top three or four forward on, on a contending team, obviously. So to me, that's where you look at like, it's not, you know, do you have guys playing over their heads in roles that they can't handle? It's do you just need another real true impact score? Because if you do, then yeah, you can figure out the lines after that from there. And it might, it might be that you end up with both Heinen and geeky on the fourth line, or maybe one of them stays up and Trent Frederick ends up on the fourth line. Like there's a few different ways you can go from there, but um, yeah, I think, you know, if, if you're the Bruins, like, you're not looking for a third liner. You're looking for, like, a legitimate top six guy if you're going to add up front. Well, you already have so many, like, borderline third liner. You have so many middle six guys that I think, you know, and that's why, like, we, you know, we're not near the trade deadline yet. It hasn't, you know, come on the horizon, but we can talk about it. I've kind of held steady of, like, I don't want to keep giving up future assets. At some point, you've got to make a first-round pick or you've got to find your way into the first round next year 
and all these different things. But, you know, there's a good chance the Bruins continue at this pace of being the top team in the Atlantic and one of the top teams in the NHL records-wise. It's going to be hard to justify at the deadline saying, we're standing pat. We're going to stand pat and we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to stick with Morgan Geeky on the second line or Denton Heinen on the second line or, you know, like, because the coil line I feel like is like second and third line at time. Like it, it, it's sort of interchangeable. So, you know, we're going to stick with those guys in the top nine and, you know, they're producing, but when you want like sure bets, I don't know if those are the guys you turn to, they've been good, but I think as the, you know, best team in the Atlantic, a team that still is contending for Stanley cup, can you justify going into the playoffs with that? Now, if you come out and say, we need to keep our assets, right? We, you know, we need, that's our priority. Then, okay, that makes it more manageable. And we've said, you know, all along with Potra playing, with Lowry up, with Beecher playing, not a bridge year, but it's a year to see what you got out of those young guys. Um, And I, I think that it's turned into more this year and that they're actually content, you know, they might be Stanley Cup contenders. I mean, they're certainly in that position, so it's going to be real hard at the deadline for them to be like, no, we're not doing anything. Um, and it's also going to be tough to give up more assets. You know, are you giving up a Lysel? Are you giving up another future first, like, for a score? Because I agree with you. If you go out and get a middle six guy, it's like, well, you've got those. Like, you don't need those. If you're going to go in, just, you know, put everything on the table if you're going to do that to go out and get a and to get a top score if you're going to do that. But... I don't know. I, I'm still on the fence about this, but I'm getting more and more convinced that they might need to do that. Yeah. I mean, it would certainly have to be the right fit, the right trade. Like yes. last year, they gave up two first round picks for two rentals, which is not usually Don Sweeney's MO. Like usually he goes out and gets guys that either he already has like a handshake deal with on an extension or they are pretty confident they can get something done. You know, last year was the outlier because that was a kind of, once in a generation chance with a, a team that was that was that loaded, um, they can't do that again. They can't be giving up more first round picks for rentals. But if there's a trade out there for someone who you see fitting in long term and you think you can get an extension done with, okay, like that I can live with. You know, I, I'm I'm okay giving up whether it's another first or you know maybe one of your top prospects for someone who's going to be part of the team moving forward and like part of your core going forward. Um, but if it's just a rental like that, yeah, that feels a bit reckless. You, you just can't do that every year. Like you're, you're just going to leave yourself too bare at some point. I completely agree. Like a Hampus Lindholm type deal. Cause again, yeah. you're trading a first for someone you would hope to get with that first round pick, or you, you trade a Lysel or a prospect for someone that you hope that prospect ends up turning into. So I agree. I agree. Um, quickly, before we get into the rest of our show, a quick word from our friends over at HelloFresh. Scott, are you a big HelloFresh guy? You know, I'm, I'm not, but I've, I've definitely thought about it. Um, you know, it, living on your own, like you are always looking for, for quick meals. So I, I certainly see the appeal. Um, I, I could be convinced, you know, maybe you get me on here and I, you know, listen to, listen to your, your fine voice doing these ad reads a little more and uh, it might, might be one over. Might, might be. Yeah. I, I love it. I've always been a, I've been a fan. Um, Cause I was for a while, I was getting bored, you know, living on my own for, with dinner. Like there's only so many times you can have frozen chicken nuggets or like, you know, 
uh, you know, frozen food or just the same things. I'm like, I don't have any recipes. I don't, you know, I didn't grow up in a, uh, you know, I didn't, my, you know, my parents, my mom made great meals growing up, but you know, she wasn't like a, a, a full chef. She's going to listen to this and think I'm dissing her. I'm not, but I don't have any like in, in recipes in my head of like, you know, great stuff. Cause she always cooked. I didn't, you know, they were great food. It was great food, but I wasn't making it. You know, I was just, she'd go oh, dinner and I'd come down and so I don't have any like recipes in my head. So it's not, and it's also pre-portioned because again, like living on your own, you're not going to, you know, uh, crush a whole thing of lettuce or anything like that. You know, you've got to, you end up wasting food. So I'm a fan. I like HelloFresh and my mom's cooking was awesome growing up. I got to, it was awesome. I'm not dissing that. I'm just saying <laughs> that I don't have any recipes up here. So I just want to make that very clear. Um, don't, so don't anyways. Put, don't put it in the newspaper that Evan criticizes mom's cooking. <laughs> Yeah, please don't. Please do not clip that. Um, that is not for. That's off the record. That's off the. And it's not true, by the way. So, um, anyways, anyways. Um, so we talked. You know, do the Bruins need more firepower up front? It's an interesting thing because as we were talking, I was thinking about. You know, a lot of people want to deal Jake DeBrusque, and there's pros and cons. We've talked about them before. Uh, people know them, but I think one thing that's difficult, and you hit on it, was. DeBrusque is really, on paper, the third guy behind, or should be, the third guy behind Pasternak and Marshan, and he hasn't been. And I agree with you. He's been really good away from the puck. He's made plays happen. Like, he's playing a, he's playing well. He just isn't producing, which is his main thing. He's got to produce. Um, but do you, like, if you deal DeBrusque, you're missing that potential 30-goal score. And I think... That's a hard thing for this team to do, right? If this was last year and you had that roster where you've got Bertuzzi and Hall and all these other pieces that uh, are scores, Bergeron, Krejci, obviously, maybe a DeBrusque thing could make a little more sense, even though trading a, a good guy off a good roster is never really a great idea. But to me, like, unless it's for a, unless DeBrusque is in a package for a proven, like, if somehow the Flames were like, hey, we'll take DeBrusque in a package for, like, Elias Lindholm. If it's a one-for-one one or if it's for a... Like, I would love to deal DeBrusque for a first, if that's even still possible. But how do you justify that on this team, with this roster, with these expectations? I don't know if you can anymore. Yeah, yeah, you hit it. Like, you'd have to be part of a package for a clear upgrade. Because otherwise, you're, you're kind of trading him away at, at a bit of a low point value-wise. Because... Again, we can highlight all the things he's doing away from the puck and his expected goals for percentage when he's on the ice, which is great. But any team that you're that Don Sweeney's talking to, they're going to look at the points and be like, "Well, hold on, wait, why? Why are we giving up a premium asset for him? You know, nine points. I mean, eleven points in twenty six games. Like, I don't think so. So, yeah, you have to get a better player because otherwise, like, if you're just trading him away." and not really replacing him or taking on, you know, someone on some other team that's struggling or whatever, then like you, you haven't gotten better. Now you're just looking, now you're just hoping someone else steps up and does what you hope DeBrusque does. So if that's all you're doing, like you might as well hold on to DeBrusque and hope that his good habits and the other things that he's doing start to translate into more goals and points at some point and maybe i mean right now he's playing on a line with david posnack so maybe this is how it happens you know maybe he maybe he's a guy who needs to be with great players on a great line in order to 
to really put up points. And right now he's in a good spot. So maybe this is what, what gets him going. Maybe, maybe. Uh, you know, it's interesting as I was watching Wednesday night's game, there are times when I'm like, they do need more firepower up front. Now, that can come from trades, which is the most popular way. But you do have a couple prospects in the pipeline that maybe could be worth a shot. Georgie Merkulov's been producing, uh, Fabian Lysel uh, down in Providence, both guys in Providence. Uh, do you consider calling one of them up now just to give them a shot, just to see what they've got? Like, are you ready to try that out or not yet? I don't necessarily hate that idea, but I would say I'm probably not quite there yet. Like I'm, I'm fine with letting those guys continue to develop in Providence and continue to produce there because again, like you, you look at this Bruins lineup and it's, it's not like you don't have enough NHL caliber forwards. You do like you, there's no one really playing where you're like, wow, that guy doesn't really belong on the ice. It's just, do you have enough real impact scorers? And I don't know if either of those guys is ready to be that yet. So if, you know, do you want to call one of them up to to kind of reward them, give them a taste, shake things up just a little? Like, I don't, I don't hate that idea. I'm definitely not against it. But I, I also don't know that, like, it, if I'm doing it, if I'm hoping that one of them is going to be, like, the real offensive spark that sort of take takes this offense to another level. I think that's probably putting too much on them. So if I were going to call one of them up, it'd be more with the understanding of just like, Hey, this is just something to kind of shake things up a little and, you know, reward someone who's playing really well and give them their first taste of NHL. It's hard to bring like a Fabian Lysel up and be like, all right, you're going to be uh, on the second line. You're going to be with uh, DeBrusque and uh, Zaka and you are in charge of top six scoring. Like you, that's a hard thing to put on a guy. I don't think he's quite ready for it. The other thing is like with a Merkulov, you know, I think there is offensive upside, but you've got to be willing to accept some defensive inefficiencies. And I don't know if this team is quite there yet where you can have a forward on the ice uh, who is like that. I mean, we saw even with Lowry some issues uh, similar to that where, you know, is like, is the, ju- is the juice worth the squeeze on something like that? And I think with Merkulov, I don't know if it's quite there yet. But I agree. If it's, if it's hey, this is a reward. You've been playing well. Let's see what you are at the NHL level for five or six games. Awesome. I mean, why not try that out? But if it's like, hey, we're going to bring Lysel up and put him on the in the top six to hope that scoring gets going, I agree. That's a that's a tall ask. And I don't know if the if, if you were a middle-of-the-pack team, that would be one thing. You know, you're kind of just hoping for anything to spark you. But you're the you're in first. Like you don't. That's not something that a team in first. Uh, I don't think typically does. Yeah, and and with Merkulov, like you already have one rookie center that Jim Montgomery has shown he doesn't yes. fully trust <laughs> in the third period when you have a one goal lead. So it's like, how you know how many guys? How many of those guys can you really have in the lineup at once? Um, you know, and, and Merkulov, you would probably want to keep at center. Like I know. And he's played a little bit of wing in Providence at times, but he, he's a center and like you would want him to play there. So I, I almost feel like for him, and he, obviously you don't hope that this happens, but the pathway would almost be like if something happens to Patra where, you know, he's he's out of the lineup for a few games. Like Merkulov seems like a, a fairly natural replacement for him where it's like, all right, you're going to get that same sort of there's some offensive upside, this creativity, and you'll, you'll live with some of the the holes that he still has defensively. 
Um, but other than that, like it's, it's hard for me to imagine Jim Montgomery playing a lineup that would have both Patra and Merkulov in it just because, you know, I, he obviously wants guys that he can like trust with, with a lead and trust defensively. And Beecher, who he trusts, but is still a you know first year right. NHLer. So you got you know a Coil, Merkulov or uh, Coil, Patra, Merkulov, Beecher. That's a hell of a lineup. Um, did make any coach kind of oh my god, what have we got going on here? Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I, I'm with you on this. If you can want to bring them up just to test things out, sure. But I don't know if you know that either of them is going to truly spark it. But hey, you never know. Maybe that does it. I don't know. I have a tough time believing it will, but we'll see. We'll have more trade deadline stuff. Is I don't want to waste too much of the trade deadline talk because when that time comes in the year, it's like, oh, that's everything. That's all we're talking about. So I don't want to waste uh, too many storylines uh, before that. But anyway, Scott, uh, what can people look forward to from you over at uh, WEI? And you got the skate pod. What do you got going on? Yeah, we got, we got skate pod going three times a week. Coverage on WEI.com of you know, every game and plenty of stuff in between the practices. People can, you know, still follow me on, on X Twitter uh, at S McLaughlin nine. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of it. And you're not the race car driver. That's the big one. Not the race car driver. No. Was it last time you were on the graphic for the YouTube video had uh, someone who was not you? I don't remember who it was, but it wasn't you. Oh yeah. That- yeah. Yeah. I don't remember if that was the last time or like the time before, but yeah, it was, um, it was our Celtics guy, Justin Turpin, who, who does a great <laughs> job covering the Celtics for WEI.com, but is decidedly not not me. Not you. It probably uh, doesn't have the Bruins knowledge that you do because he's a Celtics guy. I don't have Celtics knowledge at all. So uh, I, I got a kick out of that. I was like, this dude was on my podcast. Like, who, who is that? <laughs> like, I, I don't remember Scott looking like that. Who knows? Uh, but anyways. Hey, you know what? Br- Justin's a good looking guy, though. And he's, he's like 10 years younger than me. So... <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Oh, no, no, Scott. We want, we, we want you here. We want you here. We want you showcased on the, uh, on the YouTube thumbnails. Uh, and one last thing. My mom's cooking was awesome growing up, and it still <laughs> kicks ass. I want to make that for the record. I love my mom. Um, so her cooking was amazing. I just want to lay that out there. Uh, but anyways, that's been Bruins Beat. That's Scott McLaughlin. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners, have a great rest of your week. Team.